from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Still no Corey. I feel like I'm on a desert island or deserted island. I don't know. Either way, I'm by myself again. But uh, there may be there may be a sunrise on the horizon. I don't know what that means, but uh, hoping, hoping upon hope to have Corey back next week. Maybe um, that is a that is a possibility. According to his text, I haven't talked to him in weeks, but I never do anyway. So what's really different? I'll tell you what's really different. I finally got to watch some tennis. I got I got to see some actual real live professional tennis on, I mean, live on TV. And, uh, and it was glorious. We had a once every, I don't know how often, I I don't know what the exact numbers are, but we had the once ever so often, not counting Grand Slams, uh, mixed gender, dual gender, whatever you call it, event where men and women are uh, playing at the same place at the same time, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, now, that's not to say that it should happen every time or the whole entire uh, tour should be put together. No chance. But it is good to see uh, on a at a facility and, and at a tournament that can handle it to have um, two big, big tournaments uh, with both genders at the same place at the same time. And uh, and we had that in Rome. What is that from? What is that from? That's from, um, oh, what is that from? Gladiator, from the movie Gladiator. I don't remember which part, but I think that's right. I think that's right. Somebody check that for me, call in. So we had the women... Um, in Rome, of course, and the men as well. Uh, on the women's side, I think not a surprise who won it, and I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. And on the men's side, also not a surprise on who won it, sort of. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about some other tennis, some better tennis, dare I say. Yeah, I think so. Well, more exciting, maybe not better. It's not get crazy, but more exciting. So uh, hopefully this uh, this podcast will last more than eight minutes like last week. Again, I was on the road uh, coming back from Nationals. And so got in late, flew in late, came literally straight from the airport um, to here. Actually, I went home first, dropped off all my stuff, then came here and... Um, and recorded for eight minutes. Of course, Corey was still out, and I was beat and hadn't watched any tennis except for my team, and you certainly didn't want to hear about my team, so it was an eight-minute podcast. So uh, I don't know if you liked that more or less. I hope you liked it, but not liked it as much as the full the full go. So let's talk about the women's uh, Rome. So I said no big surprise on who won it, but... It kind of is, but it kind of isn't because anybody can win any tournament at any time. Uh, I thought we had a good tournament up until Wednesday. Wednesday is when um, the apocalypse came and it rained more than it's ever rained in the history of the universe. And they got an entire day washed out in Rome. 
which led to, I guess, one of the very rare occurrences, but when it occurs, you, you think to yourself, man, this should never happen again, except for the fact that there were so many matches backlogged that that following day they had to catch up on all those mat on all of those matches and then play. Many players had to play second matches. So when you looked at the schedule of play, it was incredible. I mean, people wait a lifetime to see one of the big three in person, and they played twice in a day. How sweet would that have been if you had had a ticket in and around those courts? Um, but did it end up? being a good thing. I don't know. We'll talk about that. So we get to the finals of Rome and one surprise, I think generally, generally might've been Kanta. However, she's been playing better lately, but she's, you know, on and off. She goes away sometimes, but today or this week, she did not go away. And she, so she was in the finals against, uh, Carolina Pliskova, the four seed. And, for all intents and purposes, it was a good match. I mean, it was three and four, um, and it was something that you think, wait a second, it's clay. There shouldn't be big hitters. But one thing I've said, particularly on the women's side, is that clay really allows for, is for these good players who have big shots to set up more often in a better position to hit their big shots. So their big shots may not penetrate the court as well on other surfaces, hard courts or grass. But on the clay, they get to get to get set up to the ball and then dictate a little more. And so I think percentage-wise over time, if they're, they're able to hit their shot, quote-unquote, because the ball sits up and, and, and they can get to it and set up and really hit through the ball, then I think that's going to lend itself to potentially bigger hitters uh, coming through. Whereas on the men's side, that's not always the case. And we we have seen that with... Uh, Nadal not being one of the more, you know, straight up and down the court type of big hitter. He's definitely getting outside, getting wide, using the whole court. Uh, a lot heavier ball, more angles, more of what you would think of when you think of a clay court match. And so the women's match was was more of a big hitting match, more of a more of a um, you know big forehands, you know, Pliskova with a big serve. And hey, I'll be honest with you, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. You know, that's why I, t- I talked about last, not probably not last week, that was an eight-minute podcast, but maybe the week before I talked about it, that clay lends itself to more balls in the court and therefore longer rallies, more strategy or what have you, instead of just big serve, big forehand or what have you. And to me, potentially to me, that can end up being more exciting tennis unless you end up with two you know, Diego Schwartzman types that just could stay out there for six hours playing the exact same point, as Corey likes to say, playing the same point a hundred times in a row. I, I get it why that could get boring. So, but the women's the women's uh, finals, uh, I don't think was boring. Uh, I think there were, were um, a good mix of uh, big serving, a good mix of um, good shot making, and Pliskova, who you would expect on paper, uh, would get the win, and she did three and four, so... Um, but not as exciting, which I hate to say this, not as exciting as the men's side. And I don't just mean the final. I mean, I'm talking about action all over the place. 
starting with the tennis, of course. So you have the big three, all of them in the tournament, which is exciting based on what we've dealt with, you know, over the last however many years. All their injuries or, or Fed skipping clay court altogether. So it's good to see all three of the big three uh, in the mix. And I don't think overall, to me, now you might just be thinking, oh, well, it, we didn't end up with, you know, Federer in the final. And so if you're a Fed fan, it's like, okay. But at the same time, he hasn't played clay extensively in quite some time. So give him a break. Um, if if he rolls through that draw and wins it, then now you're rethinking my point of weakest air. So at least, at least for my sake, he didn't do that. You've got the big three guy who's playing the best, Novak, against the king of all-time clay, uh, Rafa, in the finals. And so I think to some degree, life is as it should be. Um, I mean, ultimately, like we always talk about, if if we end up with the big three in three out of the four semifinal spots, and then, you know, one of the four, five, or six ranked guys in the world, you know, gets pummeled, we're like, okay, well, this is exactly the same. This is why tennis, men's tennis is just crap right now um but first of all we did not end up with that we did have we did have one of the younger guys coming through and next next gen as i like to call him sits a pass now he did come through with a walkover and to be fair um fetter's 68 years old now so um and i'd rather see him 100 percent for for the french than try to push through and 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 win Rome, which he may have felt like he he wasn't physically able to. So Cizapaz gets through. Who knows? I mean, he's he would have been playing a wounded Federer anyway. So um, why not give get him in there fresh? So he plays Nadal, and he just beat Nadal last week, and Nadal turns around and routines him three and four. Um, now why could that be? Why could that be? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the difference may, I I don't know what his condition was. Again, I was on the road last week, so I didn't get to see that match. Um, but Nadal pretty much did what he needed to do, uh, what he normally does. He can, he can do almost anything on clay, almost anything on clay. Now, I don't think he can beat Novak on clay unless there's special, special circumstances, which we'll get to. So, I think the 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 rain day and the excitement of the schedule of play. So we had one full washout day in Rome, and so the next day it was a plethora of great matches. And sometimes some of those great players played twice. And so I think if you go to the final, if you go to the final with Rafa. And Joker, the first set, I hope you've watched it already. The first set was a bagel in favor of Rafa. And Djokovic 
look, and I'm not, I don't like Djokovic. I mean, he's fine. I don't know him, but I don't dislike him. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm trying, I'm being pretty uh, fair here, I think, pretty down the line. He just looked tired. I'm not apologizing for Joker. He just looked uninspired and maybe, maybe more, uh, you know, emotionally and, fi- and, and, uh, you know, just mentally tired than physically, although physically, man, it manifested itself physically. So who knows which one came first, but he didn't look good. He did. He wasn't moving. He was watching a lot of balls that sort of maybe he would have tried to maybe stretch out for just kind of, that's going to be a winner and just let it go by. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a great, great display, um, at all. So, and again, he played, not only did he play twice in a day, which I get a lot of players had to do that. I, I understand, but he played the, the match before that he played Del Potro. No, I'm sorry. He played uh Schwartzman and it was a knockdown drag out three setter. And so Diego, again, a guy who can get back and forth across the court nonstop, uh, made it tough for him and good on him. It was six, three, six, seven, six, three. So long match. And that's a clay court three setter, which makes it even tough. Then the round before that, he beat Del, Del Potro four six seven six six four. So another three setter. And, you know, it's not Rafa's fault that he had that he had that many um three setters. He you know, he earned it, but he did have a tougher path, so to speak, uh, on his way to the final. And then playing matches back to back did not make it easy. Um but again, you know, you, you got if if Nadal was in the top half of the draw. Maybe that would have worked against him. You know, who knows? So anyway, so in the final, the first set was a bagel, and he looked extremely tired. And the thing that drove me crazy was the commentators were just saying, oh, it's amazing, the first time ever between these two that there's been a bagel. And it's probably also the first time they've ever played in those conditions where they played twice in a day, the day, you know, earlier in the week, and then one of them had two long three-setters. So I don't know that it's amazing because they had a, a 6-0 set. Um, so, and as a matter of fact, I think that might be the first time in the history of this tournament that an entire day was lost due to rain. I think so. I think that's the case. So anyway, so the beginning of the second set, I think the only possible thing that can get people cheering for Nole against Nadal is getting beaten in the first set 6-0 and them not wanting to go home in another 20 minutes. They wanted to see more tennis, so the no-lay chance started, and and uh, and I guess it helped. It must have worked. Got him a little fired up. He was he was uh, playing some tennis, moving a bit better, seemed a little more inspired, and he ended up taking kind of staying white, right within striking distance on serve, uh, give or take, and then ended up went, taking that second set 6-4. But... What do you know? That took everything out of him, and that wasn't the real set. The first and the third sets were the real set because then he just fell off again. Second set was just an aberration because the third set was 6-1, and I think everything that went on took its toll. Now, he's got Nole's got a week off now. The French Open will start um, next week, and I think he'll be ready. He'll be rested and fit, and I don't think – I don't think that what happened 
the events that kind of conspired together. That's the wrong word, but I don't I don't see them happening, uh, or I hope they don't happen at the French Open. And plus, you have an extra day in between, so it, it, at the very least, it wouldn't be two in the same day. And if it was two in the same day, hey, at least you get a day in between to rest. So uh, that m- might help. Plus, Nadal's going to have to play three sets every match, also. Um, so we'll see see what that what that brings. Um, I'll tell you, I even after that performance. Six zero six one in the first and third sets, and, and the anomaly of a four six set in the middle. I'm still strong on, or standing strong. I don't know if I'm strong. I'm standing strong on the Nole Slam, the Joker Slam. So I think he's going to um, take home the title in France. And if he doesn't, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the season because this is I've staked my entire whatever on this uh, Nole Slam nonsense. So we'll see. Um, one thing that that I, that came to mind as the people were cheering for Nole is an interesting um, tidbit with Nick Kyrgios. He had he had a temper tantrum. I don't know, maybe a day. It might have been more than that. I don't remember. But Nick Kyrgios did a podcast called "No Challenges Remaining." So check that out with Ben Rothenberg. And he interviewed Nick Kyrgios. And I don't know if Nick Kyrgios had been drinking or if he just didn't care, but he was he was seemingly to speak freely. I don't know how freely he was speaking when it came to himself, but when he was talking about others, he was speaking freely. And one of the things he said is he apparently he doesn't like he doesn't like Nadal or Novak that much, I don't think. He he claims that Federer is going to be the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. Um, and he he bases it on I don't know what I don't know what uh, he's played them all I guess that's true but and he's two and zero against Novak but he also doesn't like Novak all that much personally it seems like uh, and certainly doesn't like Nadal uh, he can't stand his heart celebration um, so Nick and I have that in common that I can't stand it. and Nick says that next time he beats him he's going to do the heart celebration uh, which. I can't wait. Not for anything against personally against Novak. Just I hate that dumb celebration. It makes me ill. So anyway, so what a what an interesting. Um, basically, I'll tell you this overall is that Kyrgios is a baby. That's all. He's just a baby. He tells you that he doesn't care. And actually, Rothenberg asked him, "Are you afraid to care too much? Because then if you fail, then you know you're not good enough." And he actually said, "Yeah, there's, you know, there's probably something to that." I don't remember exactly what he said. And honestly, admitting it, it's almost like he feels like that's that's enough. That that's tackling the problem by just talking about it out loud and, and admitting it. But it's not, and I don't think I don't think it will change. And and he may not ever change. And if he does, it might be too late. It might be too late. At some point, age will catch up to you. Um, and he still he does respect a guy who goes out there and can and be intense and. Uh, grind every single match, every single point. Um, so and so he does appreciate Nadal for that. Um, but apparently he doesn't like how fake guys are and girls are on the tour. Um, and he seems to think that he is a good thing for tennis in terms of telling the truth, as it were. Although I will say he's mixing up the difference between 
being truthful and being righteous. I think there's a big difference. Um, one, another thing he's missing out is some somebody told me once that everything you say should be true, but everything that's true you shouldn't say. And he doesn't seem to care about that because apparently he had a – I think there was one question or, or something that led to the question about uh, when he was on court with Wawrinka and mentioned about how his buddy had – been with Walrinka's girlfriend at some time, point in time or something, all the, and he's super childish, and he didn't seem to think it was that big of a deal, deal even still. Um, and so who knows. But another thing that struck me also during that, that uh, interview that he may not know or may not care is that tennis is indifferent to Nick Kyrgios. He seems to think he is good for tennis. Some people think he is bad for tennis. I think he is indifferent to tennis. Tennis has arguably been around since the 1200s. You hear what I'm saying? 1200s in some form or fashion. Certainly we've been playing it for over 100 years you know. now. And so, to me, Kyrgios would be a blip on the overall timeline of tennis. And furthermore, you can you can tell the story of tennis without Kyrgios even being brought up. And you won't miss a beat. And if he retired tomorrow, within in two years, he would be forgotten unless he showed up drunk at... I don't know if he drinks, but apparently he does a lot. Apparently he went out during the, the tournament he won in Acapulco. He went out every night. And his average um, bedtime was 4.30 a.m. So, but anyway, if he retired within a year, no one would even care. And he would, and he would be an afterthought. So to say he is good, for him to think he is good or, or others to think he is bad is giving him vastly too much credit. And by the way, he is not like McEnroe. McEnroe was number one in the world and multiple, multiple Grand Slam champion. His antics... His antics were about his desire to win not being met as opposed to his embarrassment of looking like an a-hole and playing terribly. So hopefully that that ridiculous comparison will stop too. Now, of course, yeah, there were, certainly we've seen times where McEnroe acted like an idiot on the court, idiot on the court but what followed typically what followed typically was the level of his game going up and so what followed nick was a chair getting thrown onto the court after he got and then and then getting defaulted so he got a game i don't know it's it's unclear to me still what the what the progression was i think he was chirping at somebody in the crowd or somebody and so uh, maybe using foul language is hard to tell, and he got coded for that. That's a point. And then I guess he did something else, which is a game, and then threw the chair onto the court. I don't know if that happened right before, but if not, then that was the match, and he was defaulted. Um, so, yeah, so he is super talented, and if anybody wants him to stop doing what he's doing, then guys got to start beating him. They have to start beating him to the point where he can't qualify for these tournaments and can't hold it together long enough to make it through qualifying um, tournaments to get into the main draws, and then none of it will matter. 
none of it will matter. So, anyway, what else went on in Rome? I'll tell you what else went on Rome, went on in Rome. Jimmy Arias is now my favorite commentator of all time. During the Chapo uh, Carena Busta match, he seemed to imply he seemed to imply that this was a weak era, and he was talking about not not physicality because it's the best it's ever been. So he was asking the question, "Why?" And uh, I don't know. I don't know how much he really said. You know, this is a problem overall, but in the context of of Shapovalov breaking almost at will, but then, or I'm sorry, holding at will, and then getting up, break points easily, and then absolutely falling apart on break point after break point after break point. Um, and then Karina Busta making dumb decisions out there to get himself in these in these break positions uh, where he's fighting to stay in this. And, and overall, Jimmy Arias just was, was just sort of looking at it like, hey, you know, you can't walk away from the truth here. This is awful. And Jimmy, J.A., Jimbo, call me, buddy, because I think, uh, I, think uh, I, can pr- I bring you over to the dark side that this is the weakest error in the history of men's tennis. But one thing I will say, it's not the weakest error in the history of college tennis. And I'll tell you exactly what I mean when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. Who cares about pro tennis? Let me tell you something. If you were not watching, and by the way, when I say we're not, it's still going. So that is the NCAA men's and women's, men's separate, women's separate and women's national championship. So I've talked about Maybe not on my eight-minute pod, my world-famous eight-minute podcast last week, but the week before, I believe, I talked about college tennis, and you're missing it. You're mi- hopefully the tennis channel. By the way, stellar, stellar job on covering tennis over the last many months. First of all, like I've said, I don't care if I have to pay for it if the matches are there and you're providing that content, someone on the free side, although it's not free because I pay for it in my DirecTV package because it doesn't come with a basic. So you've got that paid, basic cable-ish type paid. But then on top of that, you have Tennis Channel Plus, which I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember how much that is. Not because I'm wealthy. I'm a tennis coach. There's no chance. Oh, wait, this podcast. Yeah, maybe I am. No, but uh, but it's you know it's not ex- exorbitant. It's not like three hundred dollars a year, but I think it's maybe a hundred bucks ninety nine. Is that right? Yeah, it seems right. We'll go with that. Well worth it. Absolutely well worth it. So now, by the way, the, the college championships were on the regular tennis channel. 
So you didn't have to pay extra for that. And basically, they played wire-to-wire coverage of the quarters, the semis, and the finals of the NCAA Division I National Championship. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, if you're if you're listening overseas, y'all don't have this. I get it. Maybe it wasn't the quarters. Maybe it was just the semis and the finals. I don't remember. Anyway. So basically, the way in American college tennis does it, you play three doubles. So number one doubles, number two doubles, number three doubles, made up of your best six doubles players. And then some of those players, if not all, also play one through six singles. If you win two out of the three doubles, I say matches, they're sets, that's a whole separate issue, but you you win two out of the three doubles matches, you get one team point. And then you have six singles matches, each of which is one point. So for a total of seven points available, so do the math, stay with me, you have to get four to win the team match. So whoever gets to four. Now in doubles, they play a six-game set at each spot, one, two, three, and it's no ad, don't get me started. Separate issue. And then the singles, it's also no ad, but two out of three full sets. So six game sets, one six game set for each of the doubles, one, two, three. And then one through six singles, each plays a two out of three set match, no ad. All all one point total. And so they start with doubles, which is fast paced. And obviously with a six game no ad set, it's super fast paced. And all three are going on, all three matches, all three doubles matches are going on at the same time. And what that what that ends up bringing, okay, courtside is you've got maybe let's say the first court is one doubles and then two and then three and so let's say you've got a point going on in one you've got a point going on in two and the point just finishes at three and so people watching court three are erupting you know in cheer while the other two point matches are going on still and then that. You know, the court that just finished starts the next point, and then another court finishes. People erupt. And so it's nonstop noise and cheering, even while, wait for it, hold on to yourself, pull your white slacks tight if you're Wimbledon fans. There's noise and cheering going on while balls are in play. It's insanity. And it's a little bit much to take if you're not used to it. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The atmosphere at a college tennis match, if you were to replace each player with the top 12 players, so six on each side, so the top 12 women's players in the world, top 12 men's players in the world, and had them play the college-style match, it would be a bananas. Bananas. Now, get, disregard the six game and the no ad, okay? I, that's a whole separate one set for dubs and no ad for every match. That's a whole separate and the the men in Division One college they play lets. So if a ball server hits the net and it dribbles over and bounces twice, that's an ace. 
if it hits the net, bounces way up, and then lands in the service box, the returner can come in and slap it away for a winner. Fair play. That's it. They play let's. And so, um, just like on a forehand or a backhand, during the rally, same thing during the serve game. Uh, which, traditionals get a little bit sideways on that, and I get it, but I don't mind that as much as the no ad. But again, I'm not going to digress into that whole situation. So anyway, so we had on the men's side, and I'm not, you're going to have to watch the women because it was going on when I left and I actually pulled a Corey and I recorded it and I'm not for everything I can do to, to not go look right now. I'm going to try not to go look right now. And so um, 16, 18, 19. Yeah, it must have been just the semis and the finals in one place. Yeah, it was. So. Here's what we had in the semifinals. We had UNC, this is the men, UNC playing Wake Forest, which is a conference rival. And then they're playing in the semifinals of the tournament. Uh, And then Wake Forest is defending champions. And so they end up winning 4-3. And so, I mean, that's as tight as it can get because obviously, because they stop the match when somebody gets to four. So whether that's 4-0 or... If they're at three all and somebody gets to four, and then obviously it stops because all the matches are done. So if it's four zero, that just means they won the doubles point and then won three of the first match. The first three matches that finished, they all the same team that won the doubles won those, and it's four zero. So Florida and, and Texas played in the other semifinal with uh, Texas winning four two, and so Texas plays Wake Forest in the finals. And let me just tell you, first of all, you have the defending champs, Wake Forest. So they're already sitting on a trophy from last year. Got all the confidence that goes with that and the experience. And on top of that, they're playing a Texas that lost their coach. Not He didn't die. But he was caught up in that Felicity Huffman um, uh, admission scandal situation. Now, I don't know if he was caught up with the Felicity Huffman part. I think that was USC or something. But... He was caught up in that some kind of which away. I don't I don't really know the details. But they he he got suspended at first and then got fired. Now I think when he got suspended, Texas was about to play Ohio State, who was one in the country, and remained so into the final into the championship tournament. They were the overall one seed. And they do it just like men's basketball, March Madness. Um and so tennis does the same kind of thing. And Ohio State's in the upper left. Of the draw, so they're the number one overall seed, and they they uh, actually ended up losing to North Carolina in the quarters. But Wake Forest is sitting here as a defending champ, and have having gotten through in the quarter that has Ohio State in it, and now Texas comes through. They lost their coach halfway through the season, or a little less than halfway through the season, to a scandal. Now, their assistant coach had head coaching experience, but still, it's a pretty pretty big shakeup that the guy that recruited you and gave you your scholarship and all the rest of it is gone. Um, and But they have weathered the storm thus far and ultimately weathered the storm all the way to the finals. And so at this point, I don't think it even affects them now. And they end up winning 4-1. And Wake Forest won the doubles point, and so they were up. They were up 1-0, and then 
Texas just reeled off four straight singles matches to win it. Uh, and if you if you're on Twitter somewhere, I think that's going around the um, the uh, the the meme or whatever you call it, just the video of when it's when the the guy clinches it, he wins the last point, and everybody rushes the court and you know jumps on him, which I never thought was very safe, but you know hey, they're college kids. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it was highly, entertain- highly entertaining. And again, I hate to give credit to anybody ever for anything, but I'll give it to them. Tennis Channel did a good job covering everything. They they have three courts and doubles, and they have, and then and then after that, they have six courts of singles. And so they're bouncing around trying to find the court that sort of is closest some, to some action happening. Or maybe, so on the Wake Forest court, the Wake Forest 1 and 2 hadn't lost at the same time in the same match, I think all season. and Or they did once, and it was the, at the National Indoors. And so that's a pretty rare feat. And so they're maybe trying to keep an eye on 1 and 2, even though other matches are real tight. But that's a pretty big deal if Texas can get an upset at 1 or 2, or 1 and 2. Um and so they do a really good job of of keeping that going and and bouncing around and keeping you up to date on what each match, what's going on, and what it means um, in the overall scheme of things. And and it was pretty pretty good job on their part for that. I must say, I got to give them credit for that. So, like I said, Wake Forest ends up winning the doubles point. They win it six uh, four at court two and six three at court three. And again, uh, court one in that regard doesn't matter because they they only need a point. So it's unfinished and they don't finish it. So then, as I mentioned, Wake Forest lost at one and two, the same same match. Uh, at one, three, they lost in straight sets. UT won three and four. And there was a three-setter at two, so that's a big comeback. Um so for like court four was up five zero for Texas. So even though he didn't finish, and by the way, in court five finished for Texas as well. But even though court four didn't finish, if that match, you know, if somebody else wouldn't have wouldn't have finished in time, then that match likely would have clinched it either way. But uh, anyway, very exciting. the The pace of it, it's a little unnerving if you're not used to college tennis. Sort of watching the trying to watch a point, and then all kinds of ruckus is going on on other courts. Um, but it keeps the intensity high uh, for all the players, typically, um, and the crowd's into it, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, the women's match is on now. Like I said, I was recording it. Um, I I don't want to give anything away. I already know who won the doubles point, but I, I don't really I want to talk about it because I don't want to uh, – uh, I don't want to jack it up for you or anybody else uh, or myself. I'm I'm trying with all my being to not – I'm looking at my computer right now, and I'm trying with all my being to not see the score because it's happening as we're recording. So the teams that are in it are Stanford, and they're playing SEC um, Georgia. So that should be – I mean, Stanford's a historic, historic program, um, men's and women's. Um, and so, by the way, that was on the men, that was Texas's first national championship in men's tennis. So that's pretty sweet. Um, so anyway, so check, I highly suggest you, 
one thing, another thing tennis does that's great is they replay a lot of stuff during the off hour. So hopefully they'll replay the NCAA matches. And I would try to catch the Georgia um, Stanford match. If you can, I would try to catch it, um, watch it from the beginning, maybe record it and try to watch it from the beginning because it's a lot of fun. Um, and you'll be surprised. And then hopefully from that, from that, I'm hoping that you will be encouraged, hoping you'll be encouraged to um, to go to your nearest local college match and watch because all that you're seeing on the tennis channel is is a culmination of of what has built up through the entire season. And again, let me just reiterate, it's essentially if you are familiar, even if you're not a sports fan, most people are familiar with the Final Four, men's basketball, the big dance, the whole thing, right? It's essentially the same thing, except it's better because it's tennis. So if you go with that in mind and kind of what you're looking at, all throughout the season, if you're a Texas fan, that's the Big 12. They're trying to win the Big 12 to get an automatic bid, to be the automatic qualifier into the round of 64 because it's a 64-size field. And then if you're, let's say, you lose in the finals of the Big 12 tournament, then you are trying to get an at-large bid. And so based on your ranking, et cetera. And so that's what happens all throughout the year. Again, just like just like NCAA basketball, except apparently more people pay attention to that. Um, so that's the idea. So go watch matches and follow and get to – and here's the other thing you really get to learn about these players as you watch them play. I mean, you know, it's an individual sport, so you can you, you can watch only the top players if that's kind of kind of what you're into, but you you take a look at these top schools. I mean, their number 6s are at a very elite level. A very elite level. So, it's not I mean, certainly it's a drop in level. I mean, clearly the one is supposed to be by rule, the number 1 is supposed to be the best player on the team and then by order of ability down to six but still a lot of times it's it's the slightest of of margins particularly again for these top teams because a lot of times you're not getting a a win at one maybe but you're winning the team match at the bottom half that happens in tennis a lot so depth matters so that means the best teams are going to have the best players top to bottom and so fives and sixes are going to be good. And you see a lot of times where the best players maybe aren't the best doubles players. Maybe you have a South American grinder who's a, a heavy, you know, ground stroke player from the baseline. He's not going to be a great doubles player necessarily. So you get to see how a, a great player, t- individual, a singles player, how he can translate and just be a good player but not a good doubles player. Maybe play lower in the lineup in dubs. And, uh, and you get to see that. Plus, you get to see the quote-unquote best players play dubs. So in college, you know, Federer rarely plays dubs. You know, Joker rarely plays dubs. Sitsipas does, but that's all right. But in college, all the top players, almost all the top players play dubs. Typically, if you're one of the best three players on a team, that's typically typically going to translate to dubs as well. And so I know Rome's the big deal in the ATP and WTA Tour, and the French is coming up. I get it. But the NCAA championships are a big deal for American tennis. And the more popular that becomes and the more kids see that, gives them something to aspire towards. 
You know, that's just a, another piece. It's not the, the fix-all, but it's a piece to hopefully improving American tennis over time. I think college is a big part of it. I think the college game can be a big part of it. Um, something's not working because apparently we don't have a single American player seated at the French Open for the first time ever. I thought I saw that stat on Twitter. Again, it's Twitter. We'll double-check that when we're talking about the French Open, but I do believe that's what I've seen. So anyway, so college from Rome, Italy to – I wanted to say Rome, Georgia, but it's not. But from Rome, Italy, because Georgia's in the finals. But anyway, close. It's close. It's in the ballpark. It's in the same state. Um, the NCAA is down at the USTA National Campus. So at least they found something good, a good use for that facility down there. Um, and that's where they're holding the, the, the tournament. So check that out. Uh, please do. The other thing you should check out is how to share our podcast. You should check out our Twitter. Maybe. Probably should. You probably should. It's Tennis Revolution. I mean, Tennis Rev Pod. At Tennis Rev Pod. At Tennis Rev Pod. And that's on Twitter. Now, typically, all I'll do is send out just like a little link situation to whatever episode is up. And sometimes I'll reply to somebody's tweet. And hopefully in a funny way, but also kind of, you know, tell them, telling them that their idea is dumb or in the case of Prince, that their rackets are dumb. Instagram, Tennis Revolution Pod. So Tennis Revolution Pod on Instagram. And again, we're stuck at 115. Let's get it together, people. We need more followers for exactly no reason because I send out nothing. Send out nothing, but that is actually the benefit because if you hate getting a bunch of crap that you don't want on your phone like I do, you're welcome. Follow us and you won't. Uh, You could check out the website, but it's 2019. Do people even use websites anymore? I don't know. They might. Tennis, who who cares? You'll find it. You'll find it on Twitter. It's just Google Tennis Revolution Podcast. I'm pretty sure it'll come up somewhere um, if you do indeed use a website. You can get actually episodes I'm typing it in right now just to see what happens yeah it kicks over to our our podcast um, whatever they're called they host our podcast and they do other stuff but I don't know exactly what the words are so anyway so that's it once again we're hoping to have Corey back next week um so if you haven't been listening, I don't know how you'll hear this to say, hey, he's back. So that one person that wants to hear him, they'll come back. So sweet. Our numbers will go up by one. Um, and that'll probably be our lowest lowest rated podcast. I sure hope it is. And I, He never listens, but since he's been away from the studio for so long, I think he might. I bet you he listened to the eight-minute podcast. I bet you he did. So anyway, Corey, if you're listening, come back. But I'm not going to tell anybody you're back, all right? I want to keep our listeners grow, listen, listenership growing. That was mean. I'm just kidding. We miss you. We miss you. We miss your corner a little bit. All right. So spread the word. Get out on those. Re, retweet and share all those uh, places I told you, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, send it all out. Share it with your friends and let them know. And uh, until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Thanks for joining the revolution.